0: We're back with you and with Community Matters on 95.3 WBCK Saturday mornings and anytime when you want to hear it at battlecreekpodcast.com. We've been checking in with our elected leaders from time to time, among those, Representative Jim Hotzma, and he's back with us here in may so michigan's 80 billion dollar budget uh, one headline said uh, historic or wasteful i suppose it might depend on one's lens and one's priorities but certainly there is a budget there that uh, has been moving right along hasn't it jim
1: yes since 2021 the house has been very avidly trying to beat the June 30 deadline. So K-12 educators and community colleges, for example, can plan accordingly that they're not waiting until September to learn what we will be doing in relation to a budget year that for them started back on July 1. It has come along. In a fashion that I think uh, promises that we will have a budget by June 30, I wouldn't say we're going to do it, say on uh, June 21, we're probably just about in June 30, but it's a whole lot better than getting it done on September 27 or something like that. That was the whole
0: point, right? Let's, Let's get her done by the end of June so that we're not in that spot.
1: Sure. I think the first couple of years I was there, we were trying to get this sorted out in late September. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to do that. And I think we've done a much better job of getting things done when we're supposed to do that in the last couple of years. I will say this about the different budget proposals. This reminds me when I was uh, reading newspapers of, say, the Lions' upcoming draft pick opportunities. (laughs) And I wondered how much time should I spend reading this story? Because It's not really highly likely that this player is going to be on the board when the Lions pick or if they're actually going to pick a wide receiver again. I think that this is a lot like that. We're looking at something that's very opaque presently. We really won't know what we're going to get until we have the reconciliation of the various budgets, the House budget, the Senate budget, and the budget that the governor proposed earlier in the year. That will be done by negotiations right up until as I indicated, mid to late June when we vote on that reconciled budget on the House floor. So Mm -hmm. some of what we're talking about right now might be significantly modified. It might be lopped off altogether, it might be enhanced. So again, it's like looking at NFL draft picks and much of what we read might be irrelevant because they might not be coming to the Lions or the Lions might trade for a a draft pick in the next round and have some other strategy going on. So don't pay as much attention to this as if it's a done deal because it's very much a
0: work in progress. Even though there is reconciling, would you say there's a better chance that what has been listed as priorities for Democrats is going to fly because the majority is there.
1: There sure should be a better chance. These are platform issues on which we ran as Democrats. Yeah. And consequently, my expectation is there will be usage of the budget as a tool to prioritize policies On which we ran and and which we support.
0: Talk about that. What is the priority there that is part of the platform?
1: First of all, K-12 education. This budget, and again, it's slightly different in what the governors proposed and what the Senate proposed and what the House proposed, affords another increase in per-pupil foundation allowance to K-12 school districts from $9,150 to $9,516. That's the House proposal. The governor's proposal is a little bit more. The Senate proposal is a little bit more than that. But certainly we, we're we prioritizing K-12 education. There's a, a provision within the House budget and our principally focus on the House budget as opposed to the Senate version or the governor's proposal, which would allocate $300 million to the My Kids Back on Track MI Kids Back on Track, which would provide tutoring to help kids who are struggling with language or math coming out of the pandemic get back to where they should be at grade level. Importantly, and this actually started in the Snyder administration. Governor Snyder was very supportive of the Start Readiness Program, and early childhood education. There's a funding increase of $78 million in the 23 4 budget that's proposed on the House side to ensure that there are more Great Start Readiness Program early child care opportunities available and that there would be an expansion of those who qualify up to 275% of federal poverty guidelines. So more people will be qualified, there will be more funding for preschool, so I expect more four-year-olds in preschool by reason of this. This is an important issue that I'm going to talk about right now. It's teacher recruitment and retention. I Mm -hmm. think all of us know that uh, it's been difficult for the schools, public or private, to recruit teachers successfully and then retain teachers. Their professional compensation isn't the same as an accountant's, as a lawyer's typically. So consequently, fewer people are going into this. Uh, There's been a lot of clamor in school board meetings. I think some of the teachers just feel exhausted coming out of the pandemic. So $75 million by our budget would be allocated to teacher recruitment and then ensuring that once they're recruited, they stay. And I certainly understand this. I have a son who's a brand new teacher, newly minted at Lakeview. He just graduated from Albion last spring and did his student teaching at Harper Creek this past autumn, went to Lakeview on December 5, the Monday after finishing his student teaching at Harper Creek on December 2. There just aren't enough teachers right now. And the number of jobs available for new teachers is a supply for which there isn't adequate demand. I'm hopeful that we can get more teachers back in the classrooms. Also, $90 million for career tech programs like the ones over at Calhoun Area Career Center. All of this is important and prioritizes our emphasis on education. Then in context of higher education, a 4.5% proposed increase in operations costs for community colleges across the state. And of course, that includes our local Kellogg Community College and its program, uh, Regional Manufacturing Technology Training Center out in Fort Custer, which equips a lot of uh, local members of our community to do skilled trades like electrician work. And then there's more money associated with higher education. I emphasize that this process of House budget, Senate budget, governor's budget are all subject to reconciliation in the next several weeks. And my expectation is there still will be imposed on an increase in higher education budget, some limitation in the 15 higher education public universities' ability to raise tuition i think k-12 education higher education that's a big part of how we're using the budget to prioritize one of our central public policy issues other things we're trying to ensure that there are more direct care workers available in facilities like long-term care facilities or memory centers i visited in springfield two or three weeks ago a senior facility, I was told again and again how difficult it is to get quality employees and then to keep those quality employees. So we've also provided within the house budget that passed on Wednesday, the 9th, a 10% increase in direct care wages. So there would be an injection of $350 million into the budget. This would come to a $2.50 per hour increase for those in direct care care of seniors and those within senior centers and uh, long-term care facilities. And mm-hmm. again, that's important from a senior perspective. It's also important from a workforce development perspective so that we don't have constantly changing rosters of people who are staying on for a month and then going somewhere else because the work is strenuous. And if they're being paid fourteen twenty five an hour or sixteen dollars an hour, they're probably going to go somewhere else where the work isn't as exertional and they can make even more.
0: I wanna talk about the school thing just for a second and go back to that for a moment. So there's been priority identified certainly with with public education K-12, and also would reference the the comment I made at the beginning of the segment in which I said uh, the priorities may be either different or looked upon differently depending on how you uh, see them or the lens you look through. For example, uh, I saw a statement from Representative Matt Hall criticizing the House Democrats' uh, budget and saying there wasn't enough money going towards schools, and and uh, he identified what he called as some pet projects and things. I, I don't know what that means. I haven't asked him, but uh, maybe you could address that a little bit. So, you know, we hear both sides say K-12 is a priority, and uh, when one side makes a commitment, they say is is a, a commitment in that direction, the other side says it's not enough. Maybe that's just automatic response. <laughs> I, I don't know. How do you see that, Jim?
1: I think you're right. It is automatic response response. response. That which Minority Leader Hall declared on the House floor yesterday seemed like not unusual partisan performance art. It's what one does in the minority. I don't think it's unique to Republicans. I think Democrats have done it earlier in my tenure in the State House. There's an expectation, as you just intimated, that if the majority side proposes this, then the minority side is going to propose that and polls <laughs> and say, well, look, dollars are being spent on Belle Isle restoration yep. or on EV charging stations instead of public K-12 education. This is the largest injection of dollars. I think it will be when this comes out of reconciliation that historically has gone into Michigan schools. And I think, as I indicated, that one can partisanly suggest in a provocative way that uh, splash pads in a state park in Grand Haven or Holland Mm -hmm. might be proposed and that should go into the schools, but this is the largest allocation of resources that we poured into the schools that we've historically undertaken. I should mention a couple other things about schools. We hear a lot about mental health and a need for mental health services. There will be $300 million injected if the House passed budget is the one that wins over the other two proposals, the Senate and the governors, over a two years time. And and that would be devoted toward student mental health services. There's also going to be $318 million over two years to fortify school safety. So we want to make sure that our K-12 education bricks and mortar buildings are fortified in a way that kids don't have to be anxious about their well-being. And also that we ensure that they have mental health services at the schools so they can adequately prepare for college and, and not become anxious or uh, depressed. And I think it's perhaps more easily likely that one becomes as a student in, say, 10th grade more anxious and more depressed than when I was a student in 10th grade years ago.
0: Yeah, I've thought about that myself recently just uh... Uh, Listening to uh, some of the protocols that take place in schools now that didn't take place when I was there and when you were there, it is different, isn't it? The EV support, EV charging stations, uh, things of that nature, uh, that is part of this budget as it stands now. As you say, it may shake out differently, but I would submit that, (laughs) just take a look at Marshall and the commitment that we're making to EVs. That's probably going to stay in there, wouldn't you say?
1: It will stay in there. I can't uh, depict to what degree in terms of a percentage or a uh, numbers of dollars it will stay in there, but definitely there's an expectation that there will be some EV buttressing. And without question, I think that we have to move toward the 21st century. We can't go back to 1972. And uh, we realize that uh, electric vehicles are The future and a future that's before us before we know it. So, there would have to be, in my perception, some injection of support for EV.
0: Is there anything when you look at this that you say, Boy, I wish we had X addressed here? Is there anything in there that you would like to see?
1: There are things I'd like to see that I think will be beneficial to Battle Creek, to Albion, to Springfield. But that kind of earmark item is yet to be sanded down, yet to be placed into the budget, and probably won't be until we get to uh, mid-month next month. So Mm -hmm. there are uh, supports I'd like to ensure we give organizations like BCU in terms of support for a fledgling drone park. We have an opportunity here in Michigan, and specifically in Battle Creek, given our air infrastructure, given the WMU College of Aviation, given our relatively, at least compared to say, Detroit or Southeastern Michigan, open skies to become, and I don't mean drones like you go buy at Best Buy and go fly around at a county park (laughs) as a hobby. I'm talking about drones as a very significant part of our air future. And we have the opportunity here in South Central Michigan in Battle Creek, to be a drones center uh, in terms of infrastructure and transportation for the state of Michigan. I guess another item I'd I'd like to see addressed. As a longtime Battle Creek resident, I'm saddened when I go to Lila Arboretum and see the empty Kingman Museum building up on the hill. I would like to see if we couldn't help the city with some dollars to get that building refurbished for use possibly again as a natural history museum. So there are some things I think that are quality of life and also jobs and economic renewal that I'm focusing on, especially in Battle Creek. But in terms of other budget items, I think we've covered the waterfront. We've done a lot. We've highlighted uh, that which we indicated when we ran, not just in 2022, but in years previously, what we wanted to prioritize Another item that I have to talk about is water infrastructure. Uh, there's dollars that will be allocated to water infrastructure upgrades. And then local road funding. There's been an issue raised on the floor about whether some additional monies beyond the monies that ordinarily go through Public Act 51 for roads, not processed through Public Act 51, but instead appropriated depending upon population. And this is million in increased investments to local roads, that would mean an additional $5.3 million for county primary roads. We factored this out as to where it would go, $2.3 million to the Calhoun County Road Department for township roads, $2.1 million to Battle Creek, $300,000 300000 to Albion City, 210000 to Springfield. These are additional monies beyond that, which they're already getting through Public Act 51 to apply to roads. So I think we will understand the importance of infrastructure and specifically infrastructure in context of roads and bridges in making for a better state and a better Calhoun County.
0: Interesting that you bring that up because um, we chat pretty much on a monthly basis with Vice Chair Frisbee from the the Calhoun County Board, and and he actually did bring up the idea that the road department has been working with individual townships and, and municipalities on their road priorities, but they haven't gotten to all of them. And they certainly could use some more money in that pot for that purpose. Uh, but they've been working on it, uh, even suggesting that uh, the governor might suggest the use of some of the surplus toward this kind of an endeavor. Sounds like uh, the budget itself is going to address some of that. But uh, should we throw more surplus money at roads?
1: I don't disagree with Steve Frisbee about that in terms of allocating any surplus dollars to roads. Yes, if you go to Lee Township, if you go to Clarence Township, They're great places to live. They're just difficult places to get in and out because Uh of the poor quality of those local roads in uh, primarily rural townships. Right. However, again, this is $400 million that we allocated additionally to what comes roads and road departments or commissions ordinarily. And I think it's beneficial to much of the district I represent, the northern third rectangle of Calhoun County, that we get this money in this manner because we have not insubstantial population here in the northern third rectangle of Calhoun County. Something else I want to mention, there's also allocated $20 million. Again, this is the House proposal. It's not a finished document for local disaster relief fund. And uh, this is especially important given some of that, which has happened in the last few years, dam breaches up near Midland. This would help us ensure that we don't have a similar type flooding incident where a small city like Midland gets underwater as happened back in May, 2020. So uh, this is part of the water infrastructure that we're absolutely trying to
0: fortify all right well uh, we'll be back in touch for sure because uh, end of june will be here <laughs> before we know it and then uh, perhaps our next conversation could be early july and then we'll have some perspective on where you landed with the budget and the reconciliation of all of these proposals and and we'll know where we stand so we look forward to that you uh, mentioned the last time We got together that you do meet uh, for coffee talks and things uh, with residents. Remind us again when those are. That is the first Saturday
1: of each month. We'll be back again on the first Saturday in June. I do those 9 to 11 over at Mr. Don's restaurant on 20th Street in Springfield. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, That's near 20th and Westickman. That's from 9 to 11. And over in Albion, same afternoon, I do that from 1 to 2.30 at Sterling Books and Brewed, downtown Albion on South Superior. I also, once in a while, do an add-on. And and, uh, I was speaking with Linda Freibler from the the Calhoun County Visitors and Convention Bureau at the Prayer Breakfast this past Tuesday. And I think we're going to have an add-on. Stay tuned for that. I'm not sure what specific time, but a Saturday, probably mid-June. Not associated with uh, the Cereal Festival Day, uh, but some other day where I will be seeing people for coffee hour down at the Convention and Visitors Bureau downtown in the Riverwalk Center.
0: Okay, well, feel free to uh, pass that date and time along when you know, and I'd be glad to mention it, uh, even if it isn't our chat time yet, I'd be happy to let folks know about that.
1: Richard, thanks for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you, Representative Jim Hotsma here on 95.3 WBCK and Community Matters.